are touchless transactions here to stay? Pallets seem to be in short supply and plan for tight market conditions to be with us for a while. Pull up a chair and join us as the editors of DC Velocity discuss these stories as well as news and supply chain trends on this week's Logistics Matters podcast. Hi, I'm Dave Maloney. I'm the editorial director at DC Velocity. Welcome. Logistics Matters is sponsored by Softian. Softian delivers powerful warehouse management, warehouse execution, and distributed order management solutions. Delivered on time, on budget, and on results, with the market's only track record of 100% deployment success. That's why logistics leaders, including Casey Stores, the Duluth Trading Company, Do It Best, Saddle Creek Logistics, and many more are powered by Softion. Visit them at softion.com. As usual, our DC Velocity senior editors, Ben Ames and Victoria Kickham, will be along to provide their insight into the top stories of this week. But to begin today, the need for social distancing and less contact during COVID-19 has accelerated the growth of contactless transactions and the technologies that drive them. As life begins to return to normal, are those touchless transactions here to stay? To address that question and more, we welcome Paul Beavers, the Chief Technology Officer at PCS Software, an AI-driven transportation management platform provider. Welcome, Paul, to Logistics Matters. Good to have you with us. Thanks, Dave. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate uh, appreciate the welcome and happy to be here. Paul, contactless transactions have been around for quite a while now, but as I said in the opening of the segment, the pandemic has pushed them to new heights of adoption. What was the actual impact this past year on these technologies? You know, the way that I think about it is the technologies, as you said, have been around for years. Obviously, the desire to have less touch and less contact between two human parties when they're executing the logistics process has accelerated the need to be contactless. But quite honestly, it's an acceleration that is necessary. And it's necessary not just because it's it's more sanitary, but also when you have a contactless process, you're eliminating paper. And when you eliminate that paper, you eliminate the need to enter data multiple times, right? So if you can imagine somebody fills out a form, they fill out a bill of lading form, it's, it's hand created or, or typed into a, a TMS and then it's printed. And then later on, maybe it's, it's entered into a system by a data entry clerk, that all of that workflow when you're contactless is eliminated, right? So that workflow goes away because now everything is done electronically. So while it's accelerated due to COVID-19 and the need to be sanitary, it's extremely necessary in terms of getting the data to be accurate. So while while COVID-19 has been a terrible pandemic, one of the the positives that would come out of all this is some of the technology that's accelerated and definitely in the area of contactless. Yeah, so office is streamlining the process as well. So what sort of different touchless transactions were initiated because of the pandemic? You know, in, in our business, uh, which we, we basically provide transportation, uh, the AI-driven transportation management platform, in our business, the key, the key ch- changes are really in a couple of areas. It's really any time that there's a paper document. But the two main ones are a bill of lading. Right, and as you know, the bill of lading is the, the document that the, when a driver picks up a load from a carrier or from a shipper and has to deliver that load somewhere else, 
they basically have in their possession a physical document. So that bill of lading is one area. The second is another document type known as proof of delivery, right? So the need to, to have a document that's a, that's a proof of delivery, having that as a digitized document that, that doesn't have to be changed human hands is the other area. So those would be the two primary. We had already, even ahead of the pandemic, invoicing and some of the other historically paper documents have already been digitized, but the ones that have enjoyed the greatest change are bills of lading and proofs of delivery. Yeah. I know during the pandemic, too, a lot of drivers were, uh, truck drivers were able just to go directly to their cabs, didn't even have to stop in the dispatch office or anywhere else, that a lot of that was just waiting for them when they got into their cab in electronic form. So um, which of these uh, that you mentioned were accelerated and which were just going to be eventual that there would be just greater need for adoption of those technologies? Well, I think you you mentioned that that the drivers no longer have to leave their vehicle. That's actually the bill of lading. And really the drivers having to leave a vehicle, go stand in a line outside of a outside of a, a, an office or a doghouse that might be set up at, at a at a shipper doghouse if you're on an oil well site and having to wait through a line of other drivers, right? And and all that process, the BOL part has streamlined that probably the most, in my opinion. And I I, I believe that that if you think about the benefits of having it kind of having the BOL handled electronically, obviously data accuracy as we talked about, but the other one which you just just now alluded to is efficiency because when that driver has to get out of the vehicle and stop every person that he interacts with probably adds a few more minutes to that stop and by the time he's dropped the load and moved on he could have had 45 minutes of savings if he never had to leave the vehicle and so that's probably where we're seeing the biggest savings sure and some of those benefits that you're talking about is that why you think that those touchless transactions are here to stay Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the pandemic accelerated it, but it, it's, it's much like the changes to business where with remote employees, a lot of those are here to stay. It's absolutely true for the logistics process and having individuals not have to get out of their truck and all that. When the pandemic's over, I don't believe that they're going to say, hey, I don't want to go back to a, a paper process, they being shippers, carriers, or anybody involved, I think they're going to, the whole market and the whole industry is going to adopt this electronic approach. Yeah. Many companies in the past have, have liked the physical paper. It's, it's, it's always there. It's able to be referenced. And also there are security concerns. So how do you alleviate some of those concerns of, with electronic uh, documentation? You know, I, th I think there's there's sort of two things that have to happen to alleviate the concerns around security. One, the industry has to mature, right? It, it, and, and, and as the industry matures, what I mean is you get more and more comfortable with electronic tra transactions. You know, I, I've, I've been around for a long time and I remember when ATMs first came out. So now we're talking the early early 80s when AT, automatic teller machines were out and everybody everybody was nervous right and and but the 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 use of them has evolved now where it is completely second nature and that is a, a contact let's well, not completely contactless because you touch the ATM but it is a paper very much a paperless process and so that that if you look at how ubiquitous that is now across the entire world 
all over the world and every country ATMs are used to get money from wherever, the same thing will happen for, for paper documents like BOLs and the same thing will happen for the other types of contactless business processes that we're talking about here. It will happen. It's the industry, to, it takes time for the industry to get comfortable with that process. This is where I think the pandemic has done the most to accelerate it is people are, are kind of being forced, people in businesses are kind of being forced to embrace the new technology. Sure. And like a lot of things, once you embrace it, then you realize the benefits from it. Are, are some of those benefits also the ability to be able to generate reports and and uh, to do auditing on a lot of those transactions? Absolutely. And to me, that's that's the big benefit. So you have a human benefit about not touching paper, not having to handle and deal with 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 paper or and not having to enter the data. But the reality is humans make mistakes. And so the real advantage is data as data is input, it becomes more accurate. And as data that in this in the system is more accurate, obviously it's something you can use for more insight and reporting into the logistics process itself because it's more it's it's more usable, right? The data is something that is representative of the business. And so if you think as as the businesses evolve, that data is going to become more and more clean. And as the data becomes clean and and valid, then it will be used for critical business processes. It already is today. It's just a multiple human step, multiple set of steps that humans have to take to make sure that the data is valid. Sure. Are there other advantages to paperless and touchless transactions that we haven't discussed yet? You know, to to me, the the, the obviously, if we kind of summarize the ones we have discussed, the 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 time savings. It's it's obviously the sanitary approach that we talked about, and then maybe the advantage that we haven't haven't touched on is the timeliness of the data, right? So if you think about a BOL and and, and a bill of lading that is in the hands of a driver, it it is just that. It, it, if it's a paper copy, it's in the hands of the driver. You can't report on it or anything until it gets to its destination and somebody enters it the the details or the status of it into a system. When it's all electronic, even when that data is in route, it's, it's 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 accessible. And so I would say the one that we didn't talk about yet is the timeliness of the data. So the data is quicker and more readily available. Yeah, all good reasons why we think those transactions are here to stay. Yes, exactly. Thank you, Paul. We've been talking with Paul Beavers, the Chief Technology Officer at PSC Software. Uh, thanks for being with us today. Yep, thanks. Bye. Now let's take a look at some of the other supply chain news from the week. Ben, the surge in consumer spending and a recovering economy are spiking demand in many supply chains. And you reported this week on another shortage, this one on a very important commodity for supply chain operations. Could you tell us what's in short supply? That's exactly right, Dave. Uh, we've done a lot of reporting recently about a shortage of shipping containers, the big, uh, of course, 20-foot, 40-foot metal boxes on the container ships. Since big swings in market supply and demand during the pandemic and now the recovery have led to port congestion and overstuffed warehouses, so those containers aren't circulating around the world like they used to. But this week we learned about another, a comparable effect of those stressed supply chains, and that's a shortage of pallets just a simple wooden, uh, sometimes plastic, shipping pallet. Uh, that's according to Tom Moore. He's a partner at Transportation Warehouse Optimization, which is a supply chain solution uh, consulting service. And Moore says that one of the primary causes of the growing pallet shortage is something uh, called the bullwhip effect. 
uh, that's a marked condition where modest fluctuations at the retail or the user level get magnified into large swings of inventory uh, up at the wholesale or the manufacturing level. Uh, and at the same time, another cause, uh, you might have read in the uh, newspaper reports, that, that lumber prices uh, in the last couple of weeks have shot up uh, to many multiples, uh, sky high of, of their uh, at normal level. So uh, Moore said that he expects pallet pools uh, are already scouring the world for empty pallets. They're raising prices. They may convert uh, some parts to plastic. Uh, so warehouses and shippers uh, should probably be prepared to pay a big premium uh, if they have to buy new pallets, he said. Ben, are there any companies that are taking action to solve the problem? Well, this is all happening in real time, so it's hard to tell what steps the industry is taking yet. But we did cover another story this week uh, when the pallet management service provider 4840 Solutions tapped into their private equity backing. They have a, they're owned by a private equity firm. Uh, and they acquired another company in that pallet management sector called Relogistics Services. So the companies say that by combining, uh, they'll bring together 4840's position as a national provider of recycled whitewood pallets with Relogistics role as a provider of pallet and container management services. Uh, they have more than 60 locations around the US. And Mike Hachtman, who's gonna lead the new company, uh, said it will also combine the retail and service focused solutions from Relogistics with the pallet recycling capabilities of 4840. So if the investors are right, uh, those kinds of steps uh, you know, could allow those companies and maybe others um, to really find some new solutions uh, to that pallet shortage. Yeah, we'll continue to follow developments in the pallet market. Thanks, Ben. Of course. And Victoria, you reported this week on the Logistics Managers Index, and it showed that tight market conditions are continuing. What more can you tell us? Uh, thanks, Dave. Yes, that's right. Um, so the conditions we've seen across the logistics industry persisted in April, and the outlook calls for more of the same. And as you say, that's according to the latest Logistics Managers Index report, which is a monthly uh, research survey that gauges economic activity in the industry. Uh, the April LMI increased to its second highest all-time reading. Uh, uh, it reached 74.5, which was well above the market's pandemic lows of a year ago. And I should note that an LMI reading above 50 indicates expansion in the industry and a reading below 50 indicates contraction. So we're on a pretty big growth upswing here. Um, I spoke to LMI researcher Zach Rogers. He's at uh, Colorado State University about the report. And he said that the April results were driven largely by, as you say, tight capacity across the industry, also high prices for transportation and warehousing and record high levels of growth in inventory costs. He uh, characterized the state of the industry this spring as very much um, a story of costs. And he noted that uh, warehousing prices, transportation prices, and inventory costs, as I mentioned, combined, so those three combined, reached their highest level in the five-year history of the index. So um, essentially, market conditions remain busy and costs keep going up. And that's the key takeaway this month. So your reporting indicated that there's no end in sight. Did the researchers elaborate on that? Uh, yes, they did. They they said that growth in inventory in particular over the past year shows no signs of slowing down. And that's because of pent up consumer demand, of course, and the supply chain's efforts to stock up to meet those demands. Um, it was interesting. Rogers likened the industry's position to a, a runner nearing the end of a marathon, you know, very tired and ready to reach the finish line. 
But he said the problem is that everything on the horizon points to increased activity. You know, as the economy continues to open up and COVID-19 restrictions wane. Um, on top of that, imports are expected to grow by double digits this year. Consumer spending remains strong. Um, and industrial activity is strong as well. There was a separate report out this week pointing to optimism among manufacturers and distributors for 2021. So there's that. Um, Rogers concluded by saying, you know, logistics industry companies will pretty much have to just grit their teeth and endure the higher prices we're seeing as they kind of pay to play in this uh, busy market. So that's that was their response to uh, to what's what's ahead. Right, and we should note the readers can check out the story on dcvelocity.com. And there's also a link there to the LMI survey, which logistics and transportation executives and managers are welcome to participate in each month. Thank you, Victoria. Exactly, yeah, right at the end of the port. Yeah, thank you. And we also encourage you to check out our other stories on dcvelocity.com that we discussed today. And there are also podcast notes uh, that are in the podcast notes section, and you can find some direct links to some of the topics that we discussed today. Thanks, Ben and Victoria, for sharing highlights of the news this week. Anytime, Dave. Always fun. Yeah, you're welcome. And again, our thanks to Paul Beavers of PCS Software for being with us today. We encourage your comments on this topic and our other stories. You can email us at podcast at dcvelocity.com. We also encourage you to subscribe to Logistics Matters at your favorite podcast platform and to give us a rating. We appreciate your feedback and it really does help people to find us. Our new episodes of Logistics Matters are uploaded each Friday. And a reminder that Logistics Matters is sponsored by Softion. Softion helps companies orchestrate order fulfillment at the network level with distributed order management. And at the DC level with Softion WMS plus warehouse execution system. Meet customer demand at the least possible operating cost with Softion solutions. Learn how at softion.com. And we'll be back again next week with another edition of Logistics Matters when we will examine insights from a new report on supply chain risks. So be sure to join us. Until then, please stay safe and have a great week.